Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, Mega Man X Legacy Collection no longer welcomes you to the jungle. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including Octopath Traveler shortages and new Smash Brothers Amiibo. Then on Thursday, come back because we are going to be giving our impressions of Octopath Traveler, and that'll be fun. Mark, in the meantime, how you doing? I'm doing really good. That's that's it. That was Full it. Full stop. That was, that was the yeah, end of it. Feeling great. That's good. That's good. Good to feel good. Good to feel great. I think we should all feel more good and more great. I totally agree. Um, Mark, last week, we were on an episode of Shane Lennon's Playing Favorites. Nay, we were on two episodes. We were on two of episodes. Shane Lennon's Playing Favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, we got an email from uh, a, a listener from, from Dustin about it. Uh, Dustin wrote in and said, uh, thankfully, I had already seen Empire. Or, or I might have left left the podcast assuming it was a movie centered around nerds being captured by something called a Wampa Stampa who needs to steal their identity and adopts their culture after it meets a Muppet that ages very quickly at an unconventional age who happens to be who happens to have very cute feet and then cuts it. Look, he goes on. <laughs> Dustin, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, and everyone else should check it out. Yeah, and also, Dustin, I think you're mistaken, because I think that is what Empire Strikes Back is about. I believe so. Uh, look, all we know for sure is that Yoda is a, a Muppet who ages at an unconventional rate and has adorable feet that I just want to squeeze. So, anyway, you should check out Playing Favorites with Shane Lennon this last week. Mark and I first talk about the Empire Strikes Back, sort of, and then reenact it. Uh, sort of. So, uh, sort of. To the best of our ability. Uh, so... Uh, check that out also uh we've been getting more switch friend requests yeah keep them coming yes it's true so thank you um oh i don't have your twitter handle but somebody uh tweeted at us reminding us that we only that nintendo caps allowed friends at 99 but i am nowhere near 99 neither am i keep them coming let's and also uh, let's get as close to 99 as we can and then try to blow past it I want to see Nintendo try and stop us That's right. from having more than 99 friends. Pedal to the metal. That's right. Let's We're going to break through that barrier. But no, I it's been super fun. Uh, I like connecting with listeners and then seeing what everybody's been playing. Yeah, it's I, I think that's the best part is just seeing what everyone is playing. A lot of y'all playing Fortnite, um, which is cool. Some of you are playing Octopath Traveler, which is fun. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just cool to see the breadth of experience that everyone is having with their switch right now mark if people wanted to interact with us uh-huh this is a bad transition and i apologize for it already <laughs> we get one an episode we get one per episode uh which is a reference to a review that we got recently just one bad transition per episode and we try to stick to that um we are going to be coming up with a list of the eight best role-playing games on Nintendo platforms. Of all time. Of all time. All Nintendo platforms. 
Um, and you can participate in this by emailing us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Because look, Mark and I have played a lot of games, mm-hmm. right? We are uh, enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. And so we, we've got a wide breadth of experience. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to know a lot of role-playing games. Guess what, though? We're not going to know all of them. We're not going to know all of them. In fact, there are probably some great ones that we don't know at all. Yeah, and there are probably some that I'm like really high on that you want to knock down a peg. That's right. So look, if you want to be like, Earthbound does not belong on this list, you have to email us because otherwise I think Earthbound is going to wind up on this yeah, list. Yeah, and if you're like the first Paper Mario game is not that good, right? I want to hear about it. First of all, you're wrong. Second of all, we want to hear about it. Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. We're going to be doing that episode. It'll be releasing on August 2nd. So why wait? Get in your, get your uh, uh, toots yeah. or boots in now. And so that Mark way. Is, yeah. What Mark is trying to say is that it comes out on the 2nd, which means we record before that. So by the end of July, get this in. Or, you know, who, who knows? Just get it in. Uh, another thing, uh, you know, anytime you have something to say about what we have already talked about. Um, email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Um, just like Lincoln did. Uh, Lincoln wrote, Hey guys, I had a great idea for a Toad game while listening to the podcast. It's not ne- last week we talked about uh, new jobs that we would give Toad and the games that would uh, sprout forth from that. He says, It's not necessarily a new job, but I think it works. Okay, here it is Captain Toad goes back to the future. <laughs> you on the hook, Mark? <laughs> Uh, hear me out. So, one evening, after Captain Toad has had a long day of treasure tracking, pirating, and motivational speaking, very good, he shows up He shows up at Peach's Castle to deliver his treasure. He finds that Toadsworth has been building a time-traveling cart from Mario Kart. He explains to Toad how Mario is in need of something from his past, not sure what it is, could be pieces of a star or something that was destroyed years ago, and how he plans to go get it. Right as Toad starts to volunteer, a horde of shy guys show up, throwing loop shells and loop. Okay, throwing shells and turnips. Toadsworth gets knocked out because uh, it's family friendly, so he isn't murdered. Um, and Toad gets into the cart to rescue Toadsworth, but drifts too hard and is slung into the 1980s. Captain Toad must find parts to repair the cart and find the thing that Toads uh, that Toadsworth was going back there to get, while also trying to avoid his baby self. Um, and then there's a, a just a, maybe a rating at the end of this description. It just says 10 out of 10. <laughs> and I agree with that. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Ted, Toad already has a vest, and it's very easy to make that into a Marty McFly vest. That's, that, that is interesting. Um, would you... I Play actually, this game, absolutely. Yeah, me too. I just yesterday watched Back to the Future Part 3, uh, underrated uh, entry in that franchise um and yeah i say let, let's get more mario time travel we yeah i'm super into it super into it great thank you so much for that email lincoln um we love it mark do you want to get into what we've been playing this week yeah let's do it now obviously we've been playing octopath travel and we will say nary a word until thursday that's what we call a tease. A tease. <laughs> um, what else have you been playing? Have you been playing Nothing. Just Octopath Traveler. So I do not have much to uh, contribute to this section at the moment. Come back on Thursday. Mm-hmm. I've lots mm-hmm. to say. Right. And that'll be a different segment. We won't be bringing back this segment on Thursday. But you understand what Mark is saying. 
Uh, I also picked up Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker um, because I love. So, do you own it on three platforms now? No, I, I just I just got it on uh, the Switch. You didn't buy it on 3DS. As I well. did not buy it on 3DS as well, uh, though I could have, and it might still happen. Who knows? Um, but uh, mostly, Sarah has been playing it. There is a two-player mode in this game, and it's uh, not uh, a mode that I was aware of when they were um, advertising it, uh, where the first player controls... It's split Joy-Con. First player controls Toad, like normal, but doesn't have the camera controls. Um, And the second player uh, has, like, the sort of pointer and camera controls, and you can, like, throw turnips at stuff. Um, It's strange and is too restricting for the first player, because you can't control the camera. And, like, 90% of that game is just spinning the camera around to see what you can see. So this was not in the Wii U version? No. Oh. Um, I, I guess I just assumed it was. Or I mean, I suppose it's possible it was, and we just never... I, I, we were prompted by a thing on the top of the screen saying, um, you know, press minus to uh, go into two-player mode. Um, and I, I don't believe that we'd ever seen that before. If it's there, you know, let us know. But I, I don't think it is. Um, and I... I I can't really recommend it. I'm a big uh, supporter of um, the Starbit collector mode in Mario Galaxy. Um, either when Sarah was playing, I would do that for her, or when I was playing, she would do that for me. And it's just a, a you know, you're not super active when you're the second player, but like you get to do something while cheering your friend on playing Mario, right? Um, so like, I was hoping that this would come close to like approximating that but it really doesn't yeah camera control seems fundamental yeah i'd like you have to really be communicating with each other to be like no i need to see behind that thing behind behind it um also weird uh the you know the thing has amiibo support uh, you can use the toad amiibo to get a like uh, invincibility mushroom um and the wedding amiibo uh bring up the new um, levels from mario odyssey and everything else gives you an extra life um but when you scan it in um, you can see there's like a, a little like radial effect of like you scanning in the amiibo on the screen. Um, but it uses the location of the near field reader on the Wii U game tablet. So like it's bottom left corner um, that like lights up, but the near field reader thing is in the right Joy-Con. So like you see like a little thing emanating out from where you definitely didn't put <laughs> the amiibo. Um, so, you know, it's, Look, it's a Wii U port, and we're we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna get past that. That's just what it is. So you had also pre-ordered some Splatoon Two Amiibo. Oh yes, I did. Hold on, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go get him. I uh, did. You and uh, Patrick is running across the room to grab all of the Splatoon Amiibo he has, which is a lot now. It's maybe it's maybe too many. Uh, oh. Yeah. So so I got uh, Pearl and Marina. Um, they look good, right? Yeah, they do look good. Are how did you get them? You weren't sure, right? Was it uh, shipped it was, to you, or did yeah, you pick it, was, it up in store? It was Amazon. Yeah, so I did. I did not have to go to Best Buy to pick them up. Um, but yeah, they they look good. The um, Marina coloring is different from all of the rest of them. She's got the sort of like teal, uh, like greeny, bluey kind of color, which is cool. Um, and Pearl is kind of the, she's the same color as you know, one of these squid sisters. I don't remember which one, um, but that's sort of like electric pinky color. Um, I don't know. And they, they both look good. I like them a lot. Uh, haven't scanned them into anything yet, 
because you know that's 2018 and you know amiibo don't really have that much in-game functionality um and to be honest i'm not even sure what they do in splatoon 2 do you uh doesn't it like unlock different clothing items yeah, maybe. Or, like, maybe you can take pictures with them? Yes, that sounds right. <laughs> All right, great. Uh, so that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. All right. Today, July 17th, Sonic Mania Plus is released. Ooh. Um, And the Sonic Mania Encore DLC is available for those of you like me who have already picked up who picked up Sonic Mania in the past. Right, and that's free update, right? Five bucks. Five bucks. Okay. Five bucks. And so uh, Sonic Mania Plus and Sonic Mania Encore DLC has Ray the Squirrel and Mighty the Armadillo. Mm-hmm. And who then you are not obligated to recognize, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. I never, I'd never heard of these characters at all. Where did they come from? Well, we talked about this a little. Uh, Mighty the Armadillo was uh, originally an, an early like concept drawing for the character oh, that okay. would become Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh-huh. And Mighty appears in Knuckles Chaotix on the uh, 32X. Um, but I don't, I, don't know, I don't know where Ray the Squirrel comes from. You're right. We did talk about this. Um, and then it also includes... I'm sorry to bore you, <laughs> no, 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 no. You're not boring me. It was just like jogged my memory. And I'm like, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Encore mode is a new color palette for every level, but it's also as different enemy and item placement. Apparently, Encore mode is, encore mode is very difficult. It also gets rid of lives. And the way oh it works now is like, what? I said, oh my God, like a, like it's a good thing. No, no, no. As in, it's like bad and much harder. Oh. Because the way it works, apparently, is you, I have not played it myself, is that you have to, within the stages, there are like um, item boxes that have the new like different characters. Mm-hmm. So let's say you started with Sonic, you would just have Sonic. And then when you get to one of those item boxes, if you have 50 rings, you can get a second character who adds like you know like to your roster so oh. when sonic dies you would the next character would come along oh my so, god so like that's the replacement for lives apparently so, this mode is very challenging it sounds very challenging and like a uh, kind of evocative of the NES Ninja Turtles game where like you lose leonardo and leonardo's gone you got the three other turtles but leo is gone so I don't know that I'm going to get this even for five bucks because like more <laughs> challenging Sonic Mania is not exactly what I'm looking for. Did did you beat Sonic Mania? I did finally because <laughs> uh, what I ended up doing, I got stuck on one of the bosses because mm-hmm. I was playing as just Sonic and my like jump, it was whatever, like the high, uh, yeah, the hydro, hydro zone. Yeah. yeah. Um, that boss, you had to like jump up in like mm-hmm. a U type shape to like knock him. I died forever. You told me to um, play as both uh, yeah. Tails okay. and mm-hmm. Sonic and just smooth sailing from there on out. Right, because so. that uh, Tails, tell you what, he's a good helper. And he'll knock those bosses around pretty mm-hmm. good. Uh, and then on July 19th, Pool Panic is coming out. Pool Panic, that's that like Adult Swim uh, like adventure pool game. Yeah, that uh, I think we saw in an indie showcase. We did see it in an indie showcase, and it looks kind of cool. Um, that bomb chicken game that we had been saying for weeks was actually coming and out. And did actually come out. Did actually come out. Um, I don't have anything else to say about it other than it did come out. But otherwise, I think it's a fairly... I mean, there are, of course, a ton of other indie games coming out, but nothing that really caught my eye. Um, all right, great. Well, uh, Mark, let, is, is there... Are you going to pick up Pool Panic? Like, we, we mentioned it. Are you interested in it? Or? No. No. No, not interested? No. 
Um, yeah, I think I'm in that same boat. Mark, let's get out of the new releases. Now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer, <clears throat> excuse me, John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, I wanted to talk to you today about boozy brunches. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, attended such a boozy brunch uh, today. If I feel a little bit looser or a little bit sillier, it's because I was drunk at noon. Um, how do you how do you feel about booze at brunch time? Um, I this is not like I I I don't have a ton of experience. I don't I don't really like booze at brunch time. I am generally of the same opinion. I I don't know why that is that I'm like. I want my drinking to be at at a sep- like it's it's during the day and it's hot and I don't know that I w- normally want that right and it's at the it's in the early part of the day right so then it's like oh I'm just gonna feel bad for the rest of the day and then like have a hangover at night hangover should be relegated to the morning right yeah um so I don't the place that we went to today um had uh, what were uh, called honey buckets. It's a bucket that has like a cocktail in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, I, I split that with um, two friends and uh, it became a challenge, right? Of like, we have to finish this before we leave. And we were there for like two hours. Cause like it's a, it's too much booze. How much do you, how do you feel about brunch in general? Hmm. Interesting. I used to be very pro brunch. Uh, I think, uh, maybe just like being younger or whatever um, that I was more into it. But now I need to have breakfast earlier than brunch happens. Mm, I'm mm-hmm. a, a little bit of a morning guy, right? So like I'll wake up even on the weekends at like six, six thirty, And then I need to eat something by like eight o'clock. Um, and when people are like, Oh, let's meet for brunch at 11. I'm like, what, am, what am I supposed to, what am I supposed to do? How do you feel about brunch? Uh, let's just cut out the middleman and have all day breakfast everywhere. Uh, like McDonald's. Yeah. Although they have a limited breakfast menu all That's day long. That's fine. It's like, you know, if I, if, uh, because I just, I, I'm fine with brunch. I think it's, I think it's fine that it exists. It sounds like you're coming out swinging against I'm not. Brunch. I'm fine that it exists. I just think like the next logical step mm-hmm. is extending brunch even later. Sure, to just make all day breakfast. Yeah. Um, do you give the people what they want? <laughs> breakfast all day. Do you find yourself making brunch plans or no? No, but I'm not that fun. <laughs> you know, brunch is Mark, like I fu- think you're fun. <laughs> brunch is like fun. Stop it's like fishing. Stop <laughs> fishing. <laughs> it's like oh, you're fun. Let's like dress up and go out and be out in the sun and all of uh, no, no, no. That thank you. that's exhausting. That's exhausting. Yeah. I feel like you and I used to do. If not like brunches that we would at least do like um, lunches on. Or I, yeah, but that was like, like after we, we had like improv practice. Right. And so it was, I feel like it was a little bit different. Look, I'm not against brunch. I think brunch is great. I love You breakfast. are on the record hating brunch. <laughs> that is not the intention of 433. <laughs> this was a trap. You're right. I should not be gaslighting you on 433. <laughs> That's a betrayal, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess 
I guess what it, what's the difference between like brunch, which is just like breakfast later in the day, and uh, like should there be a separate name for the thing that is like going out to like eat on the weekend? Well, see, and, so like, th- that's what I think brunch day? actually is. Like the okay. oh, it's breakfast and lunch part. Who get, nobody cares. You you think right, that that's, that's not that's, that's been that's, obliterated? Yeah, that's not the uh, mm. when you say we're going to brunch, it's like oh, this is a. This is like a party. This is like a thing. We're right. all getting together to like enjoy this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and you that don't they are serving, enjoy anything? That they are serving some breakfast and some lunch food and, is immaterial. And probably with some kind of like bottomless mimosas or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I feel like I'm coming down from it now and have been for the last like hour and a half, two hours. That's the nightmare of a bruisey brunch. Yes, it is the bruisey brunch. Bruisey brunch. <laughs> uh, so, of course, the lost character from the Brady Brunch. Mm-hmm. The the bruisey. So like he was a football player or something. Uh huh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Now, hold on. <laughs> he takes just the bunch part of the just the bunch part of the. That's right. Brady Brunch. He doesn't take the last name Brady. Right, and it's all unrelated to brunches. A hundred percent. Um. Can you name any of the Brady boys other than Peter? Uh, no, I actually don't think not off the top of my head. Greg. Oh yeah, yeah, is yeah. That that's Greg, right. Greg that's right. One? That's definitely right. Because the the girls are easy, right? Peter. Uh, we'll never oh, know. I guess I guess we'll never know. <laughs> uh, we were accompanied today by the GVSU New Music Ensemble. All right, Mark. Let's get into the news. All right, this past week, Square Enix posted a statement on their official Twitter account in Japan apologizing for nationwide shortages of Octopath Traveler and encouraging fans who are looking for a copy to pick up the digital version. Which seems like an obvious solution, right? Right, but digital sales in general in Japan are much lower than they are in the West. So, wow. like, in the West, is trending, like, 50-50. Uh-huh. But in Japan, that is not true. And I think part of why that is not true is even more so than in like the states or other countries used game sales are a much bigger part of oh, like yeah. the life cycle of the game in Japan mm-hmm. especially for like a single player game like a JRPG so uh, the vast 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 majority of sales for a JRPG in Japan happen in the launch week and then because people everything beat else it, is going to be and then they second just, hand. Exactly. And so that's why Square Enix is like, buy a digital copy if you want to play. Uh, don't, wait, don't, don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait, wait, don't wait, wait a weekend. Wait. You need to play this game now. You need to play it now. Um, so who knows if this is a sign that like a lot were, you know, did retailers underestimate demand? Were, is there more demand than what was expected? Like nobody really knows. Uh, it'll, be inter- it'll be interesting to see what sales of Octopath Traveler are like worldwide. It seems to be a pretty big hit. Uh, in the U.S. eShop, anyways, it's number one as we're yeah, recording this. That makes so. sense. Well, and also, I mean, obviously, our social media circles are self-selecting for this, but, like, I have been seeing a lot of people uh, tweeting about Octopath. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's been the top of my mind uh, the last, since Friday, since it came out. Um, and it feels like it just is... It's up there with, uh, you know, what everyone else is playing. It's also coming out at a good time, I think, because there haven't really been any big releases on Switch or on the Xbox or PlayStation. Yeah, what was the last, like, big game release? Yeah, I, I'm just trying to remember while we were talking about it, and I 
can't really come up with anything. Yeah, like if we want to count it, Detroit was like a month and a oh, half. Oh yeah, I, I would I would say that's probably that's probably that was the, probably the, like the, the biggest big. most recent release. Yeah, and that you know not even that big of a game really. Obviously, I mean I think it probably sold well because there are so many PlayStations out there. But um, yeah, uh, Capcom's Mega Man X Legacy Collections uh, one and two are releasing next week, and it was recently revealed that the games will include a Rookie Hunter mode, which is basically like an easy mode. They can be toggled on and off in game. So this is taking Maverick Hunter and making it Rookie Hunter, which seems like kind of a dig, right? Well, that's typical for easy modes. And as somebody who frequently plays easy mode, yeah. that's that's a thing, right? Like uh, a lot of times developers will badge the save file if you right. play on easy mode. Like that's what Celeste does and like things like that. Um, just but, to make you feel bad for enjoying the game the way you need to enjoy it. But damage is ha- halved when you mm-hmm. have Rookie Hunter mode on. And in X4 and X8, it disables instant death from spikes and bottomless pits. But just X4 and X8? I guess. I, I, do they have more like uh, unforgiving pits? Potentially? And I don't know. I, I have never played a lot of these games. So I will say that an easy mode for these makes me more likely to buy it because I kind of want to just like check out and see what some of these later Mega Man X games are about. Yeah. And I'm not really in it for the punishment. So I mean, really all they need are save states and rewind, right? Like that, that'll, that'll turn any like classic game, especially like a classic platformer um, into a, a manageable task. Um, it's so, you know, I, that, the Disney Afternoon Collection is a revelation. It's a way to actually experience these games um, in a way that like wouldn't make sense to to actually die and have to like start a level over. I wouldn't have gotten anywhere in the Darkwing Duck game without being able to rewind. Um, so I, I think that's really all that this needs. Yeah, and I mean, I guess I feel like with a lot of these retro games, the best way to get more people to check them out is to make them more approachable. Yes. Because if you're like, hey, we're releasing this collection of just like super punishing games, a lot of people who maybe just more like just want to check it out to see what these older Mega Man games are about Mm -hmm. may be turned off by the idea that like, oh, you're just going to die immediately and just keep dying forever. Yeah, and even the people who are like into those games in the first place and like wanted the challenge, A, you can just play it normally. Right, it's still there. it's, it's, It's still there. But also like, think of the number of games that you played as a kid that you didn't see the end of or even like the last half of because they were too difficult and if you could play these games again and play through the parts that you knew how to play just fine and then got to cheat a little bit to see further into the game i think that's i i think that's good that's a good way for you to experience more of what's already there they also made some localization changes to uh mega man x5 so this is cool, and I like this uh, a lot. Some of the, uh, they're not called Robot Masters, but the, the Mavericks um, in uh, Mega Man X5 had been named, in, in the States, had been named after Guns N' Roses, uh, members of Guns N' Roses. Um, so, like, Axel the, Re- hold on, we've got, I've got a, a list of them here. Um, uh, so there's, there's a uh, Izzy Glow, Grizzly Slash, um, Axel the Red. Um, so named after members of of Guns N' Roses, and they're just being uh, they're just changing them to be more in line with the Japanese versions of those names. Right. It was like a localization decision 
that was made in the States, or I yes. guess in the West. Yeah. And yeah, they're just changing it back to be in, like you said, in line with the Japanese names. Um, I sort of, I mean, I, I like the, the weirdness of this, you know, it, but like the idea that you would take, because Mega Man, the, the Mega Man names are based in music as it is, right? Like um, uh, Mega Man is, uh, his original name is Rock. And he has a, a female counterpart named Roll, so they are rock and roll. His dog's name is Rush. The little flying bird thing is called Beat. Um, and you know, like all of, there's a, a bass, treble, and 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 bass are characters in this thing too. So like music is a part of like the naming convention here. Um, and obviously someone went out on a limb and it was like, I'm gonna make him Guns N' Roses, but I don't know. I I, I think it's cool and maybe. A little bit of a bummer that it's been. How, how, how do you feel? Do you like that it's more in line with the Japanese versions of the names, or do you kind of wish that that little bit of history was preserved? I mean, I'm learning about it now, and right. so I, I tell me how you feel. <laughs> so I didn't know about it before. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I yes. didn't experience it before, and so I would not have known that there was any change at all if yeah. there had been like articles about it. I, I'm more curious to know, like. Do we think it was for legal reasons, or do you think it was purely just um, time to make that change? Yeah, I, I like I, a peach toadstool type thing. Yeah, I would assume the latter, because like, how much real claim could Slash have over the word Slash? It's just a word, you know, that happens to be his stage name. So you know, and the character doesn't look like Slash. So I don't know. Uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about a special edition Famicom Mini. Shonen Jump 50th Anniversary Edition being released in Japan. So this was like a special uh, Famicom Classic Edition, basically, that was filled with uh, Shonen Jump licensed games uh, to celebrate the 50th anniversary. Say Dragon Ball. Others. (laughs) The list goes on. (laughs) Um, In only two days, this special Classic Edition hardware sold 110,000 units in Japan, according to Media Create. Um, that's a lot, especially considering that I think most of the games on there are considered to be bad, bad yeah. but you know, they're from people's childhood. And so they remember them, even if they are terrible. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so anecdotally, the recently released NES classic edition, uh, here in the States is seemingly much easier to find. Good. Um, my friend walked into GameStop on Friday, just kind of like on a lark, uh, because he had when the NES Classic Edition was originally released, been interested in one, but, you know, had he was a normal person, so he had no way to actually get one. He, wasn't he was not like out. you and I. Yeah, he wasn't going right. to camp out. He wasn't going to, you know, like, uh, build a bot to buy them up on Amazon as soon as they became available. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he uh, just went in, wanted to see if they had one. They did, so he was just able to pick one up, which is the way things should be. Right. I mean, even more than that, it should be at the end cap when you mm-hmm. go to Walgreens that you'd be like, oh, NES Classic Edition. I'll buy four of these. Um, but this is a good step in the right direction. I've, even, I've seen them like available on like uh, Amazon or you know, BestBuy.com or whatever. So, yeah, it seems like... Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm, just in general, I'm curious of other people's, uh, other listeners' Uh, ability to pick one up if you missed out the first time and you've been looking for one recently like has yeah. it been easy for you to find one right into us nintendo cartridge society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com uh despite the system's success third parties haven't really been releasing a ton of games on switch especially like cross-platform games like we've had fifa but that was kind of its own version mm-hmm. um 
NBA 2K18 is probably like the best example. So last year, uh, 2K Games released WWE 18 right. on Switch, and that was kind of a disaster. It was broken. It right? was delayed. It was broken. It was bad. And so this year, WWE 19 is skipping the Switch. And similarly, Yakuza series producer uh, Daisuke Sato was recently recently gave an interview to French website Gameblog and basically said that the Yakuza series is unlikely to show up on Switch in the future. He cites Yakuza 1 and 2 doing terribly on the Wii U okay. as part of that, which I'm with you. The right, Wii U like is not a great measure of anything. The, the, the Wii U is a poor Petri dish for anyone on anything, right? Like, do not let what happened on the Wii U uh, dictate any future decisions about anything. But he also said that just in general, he doesn't feel like the public uh, uh, the public is expecting games like Yakuza to be on Switch. So what do you make of that? Uh, like it, the, the, the comment is obviously about like the, the content of the game, right? That like a uh, at least semi-mature open world game um, doesn't seem like it's at, at home on the platform. So I think like my knee-jerk reaction is to be like any game will do well on Switch. You should like everything should be on Switch. But I actually don't know that that's true. Like at this point, it has been so long since Nintendo has been like a third-party titan. Yeah. That I think he's right. I think a lot of people don't look to Nintendo platforms for those types of um games and I don't even mean necessarily like a mature uh, like open world experience, I think just in general, it's like n- at this point, uh, the general public does not think of Switch or Nintendo when they think of Yakuza. They don't, yeah. th- you know, when they think of Grand Theft Auto or Red Dead Redemption. That doesn't mean that like those games can't find some success there. I think Doom and uh, I guess we don't know about Wolfenstein 2, but like Doom has sold reasonably well, but it's uh, it didn't light the charts on fire, but it was also like an older game when it was released. Yeah. So I think that there is room for those, especially as the Switch's audience gets bigger, there are obviously going to be all types of people who are looking for all types of games on the platform. But I don't think he's necessarily wrong. That, yeah, you know, it may not be the best use of, I'm assuming, the limited resources that the Yakuza developers have to focus on also putting it on Switch. I mean, they also come out with a new uh, Yakuza game, like, every year. Um, they're out, like, all the time, either between, uh, you know, remasters of older versions of uh, older games of the franchise or, like, brand new ones that, you know, maybe they don't have the, the resources to spread around. And right now they're just on PlayStation, correct? Um, so, like, they're not even... Uh, at, at, at press time, there are still more Xboxes in the wild than there are Switches. So, like, that would be a platform that they could expand to before they even get to... Right, and seems to be that same, that, like, general audience that would potentially appreciate mm-hmm. Yakuza in larger numbers. And also just, like, you know, graphical parody, too. Like, that it's, you don't have to really bend the engine to make a Xbox do what a PlayStation is already doing, where you may have to do that for um, the Switch. Release dates for some new Smash Brother amiibo, including the Inkling, Ridley, and Star Wolf amiibos, have been announced. Uh, they're going to be day and date with Smash Brothers Ultimate on December seventh of this year. Um, so I have gone ahead and pre-ordered because this is what I do. Uh, Ridley and Star Wolf. I have not 
done the same for the inkling, but I maybe only because I couldn't find it. Oh, uh-huh. I, I tried, you know, searching for on Amazon for like inkling amiibo, and it turns out there are a ton of them, and I already have them. Um, and so I, I I couldn't find this uh, pre-order page for the Smash one. Yeah, I was going to say like, uh, on the one hand, do you need another inkling amiibo? But on the other hand, you only th- it's the it would be the only outstanding one. For Splatoon, but it for Splatoon, right? Because there are I'm missing several of the Smash, uh, sure, uh, sure, amiibo. Um, so maybe if I just think of it like that, I, I obviously we'll see. There's there's months to go. There are in fact months to go between now and December seventh. So. And uh, finally, the Nintendo Twitter account confirmed that previous Smash Brothers amiibo will also be released in the months after uh ultimate's release which is good news because a lot of those um were either hard to find to begin with or, or continue to be hard to find forever um there were some like uh it, there's i've seen pictures of like best buys that are just like a wall of pelutenas uh who was originally an exclusive i believe at best buy but might have been somewhere else um and was like super hard to get when she came out uh and now like they're just everywhere um so like the sort of uh, amiibo uh, scarcity is like a real function of the time that they were released. Um, and I'm sure we'll see more of the, you know, I, I'm guessing that Ridley amiibo is going to be hard to come by at some point. Um, but like, I think the real like gold rush, the real like craze for collecting amiibo is probably past at this point. Yeah. It, it feels that way to me as well. Oh, also just like one other note about Smash Brothers Ultimate is Bill Trinan. Um, was asked of Nintendo of America was asked about further reveals of new characters, new fighters in Smash Brothers Ultimate, and he said to basically stay tuned as we get closer to December. Mm. So, Mark, I'm gonna file that under not news. All right, let's get out of the news slash not news. And that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it greatly. Also, check out our appearance on Playing Favorites with Shane Lennon. You want to hear us do The Empire Strikes Back, right? Right. Right. Um, You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. And collectively, we are at Nincart Society. You should friend us on your Switch. Our friend codes will be in the description of this episode. Um, you can check out our Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. If you like Mark Mind Opinions, we write about comic books on retconpunch.com. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening. Campfire.